Hey, welcome everyone, and thank you so very much for joining me today for another episode of Talking Cloud. Now, you know, this is where we talk about cloud, all things cloud, cloud security, compliance, governance, SaaS, FAS, why you should, why you shouldn't, concerns, I mean, no holds barred. All bets are off. We cover it all if it has to do with cloud. Now, you all know I am no expert, but boy, I know where to find the experts. And man, I have got a great guest today. I'm so excited. Not only is he a vice president and chief information security officer for a huge organization. I mean, I think they're, you know, in the billions. They've got hundreds and hundreds of locations all around North America. I bet you many of those that are listening have frequented their locations. You know, he's filled so many roles around the area of security and compliance and governance. I mean, it's really, really exciting that we have this guest today. I'm thrilled to introduce to you Sean Walls. He's the Vice President and Chief Information Security Officer of VisionWorks of America. And Sean, thank you so very, very much for joining me today. Hey, Grant. Well, thank you. That was a wonderful introduction. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, it's great to be able to talk with you today, Sean. I know my listeners love to hear from folks like you that really understand this space from a thought leadership perspective. And so I'm really, I really, really appreciate your willingness to come in and and, uh, sit down with me. So if you could just maybe take a few minutes, Sean, and tell the listeners about yourself and your background and what you're doing and maybe uh, just a little insight onto you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so obviously, um, my name is Sean Walls. I've been a leader in cybersecurity and information technology for, uh, we'll, we'll just say 20 plus years. I guess you know you're getting a little older when you put a plus sign on the end of your number of years experience, but we'll just say 20 plus years. Um, I've held roles, uh, you know, from director of, uh, of IT to uh, to vice president of uh, cybersecurity to currently uh, vice president and chief information security officer for VisionWorks. Uh, I spent um, the, the first part of my career in the operational side of, of IT and, uh, and security, running data centers and, and the IT side uh, of businesses. And uh, then I spent about 10 years or so in the middle of my career as a consultant, uh, which really gave me an opportunity to, to round out uh, my game, to fill in some of the gaps, to see the plethora of different sort of architectures and, and ways to, to leverage technology and security to, to enhance and enable a business. Um, I had the opportunity to work for uh, work with um, and consult for uh, hundreds and hundreds of uh, Fortune 500 and Fortune 100 companies uh, during that uh, that tenure, and so uh, really really prepared me for what I've been doing for the last ten years, and uh, and that's been leading cybersecurity uh, for for large organizations. Um, and, and when I say leading cybersecurity, I'm talking about the the governance, the strategy, the program development and management side of things, compliance as well, and uh, risk management. So um, right now. I work for VisionWorks, as you as you mentioned, and I oversee obviously the security strategy as the CISO there. But I also uh, oversee the enterprise architecture division, which gives me. Um 
a significant uh, view into uh, an input for that matter into this particular organization's digital transformation strategy and uh, and more specifically into their how they're leveraging cloud and how we're leveraging cloud to uh, to enable to empower uh, to and to enhance the business. I find it very interesting, Sean, that you spent a number of years as a consultant. So on the other side of the desk, right, actually uh, helping organizations. And, and I, I can really see how that was beneficial for you to really kind of see both sides of the coin, right? As opposed to only being on the vendor side or only being on the customer side. That must have really enhanced what you're doing now, gives you some greater perspective. Is, is that right? Uh, no, absolutely. Uh, I think it gives me a number of advantages. I think, or it's helped me in a lot of uh, a number of ways. Uh, I think first and foremost is is just the how it rounded up my interpersonal game, my ability to uh, to develop rapports with people, to understand business, to um, to develop relationships, to present in front of uh, you know leaders uh, of organizations, to speak in front of boards and executive leadership. Um, you know, because when you get into a, a role like I'm in currently, I mean the relationships uh, and that rapport becomes paramount, becomes critical to the effectiveness and the success that you're going to experience. And so beyond that, I think just being able to understand how the vendor side works and beyond that, forcing myself to learn new technologies. Uh, you know, we're, we're, in, we're in an industry and in a business that's changing at lightning speed. And so staying in front of in front of the technologies that are emerging and making sure that, uh, that you're up to speed is uh, super important. And then I think lastly is just being able to see the different ways that organizations are leveraging technology. Because when you sit and and you sit with one company for 10, 15, 20, or however many years, you kind of get lulled into a sense of complacency and you really don't think outside the box. You don't look ahead. You don't, you don't try to solve problems quite as, uh, uh, as proactively, uh, as you, as you would, if you really kind of looked forward and, 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 and try to understand how technology can empower and, and uh, enable a business. That's really what consulting does for you. It forces you to kind of solve business problems because that's what consultants do. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. So I was also thinking, so you've got the combination of the consultant uh, with your practitioner but i think also as i was thinking about you mentioning you're not only the strategist from a chief information security officer perspective but you're also uh, responsible for the architecture and that has got to also be a real valuable blend because you can think architecturally how can i build the most secure robust environment but you've got that security context i mean i would think that without that there might be some architectural mistakes that would be made, but your security perspective, I would think, really helps that. Have you found that to be true? I, I find that they complement each other very well. As a matter of fact, when you look at enterprise architecture, I mean, the, the goal of enterprise architecture is to understand current state reference models and future state reference models and, and develop those in a way that you know maximizes benefit to the business. And when I'm talking about future state, I'm talking about how you manage data, how you manage applications, how you manage your infrastructure, and, and finally, how you manage security. So the, for the for those that, you know, those CSOs out there that don't have the uh, the benefit of 
owning enterprise architecture, I, I kind of feel for them now that I've had the opportunity to do that because that allows me to get in front of all technology that we're bringing into the organization, the direction that we're taking from a technology perspective, the standards that we're implementing, and I get to bake security into those processes, into those standards, into those policies, which is much easier than having to retrofit right. techno, you know, security into technology after it's already pushed to production. Yeah, exactly. No, I think, I mean, that really seems like a very shrewd move organizationally. Let me ask, what role is the cloud played in your business? I suspect it's played a role, huh? It absolutely has, and uh, it's continuing to play a bigger and bigger role every day. Like I said, when you're talking about any sort of technology, the goal is to to enhance and to empower, to enable the business, to solve business problems, and to do it in a way that gives you a competitive advantage. And, and the cloud does that, uh, you know, in spades. It, you know, it, it allows us, uh, specifically Vision Works, that is, to, to reduce cost in a lot of ways. Not only can we uh, be more efficient on how we actually spin up systems and configure platforms, applications, and so on. But we can reduce costs uh, from electricity, from rental space to you know our, our dev and QA environments. We can spin those down when we're not using them uh, and, and save costs. But we're only paying for the you know the, the bandwidth, the CPU, memory, and hard drive space that we actually use when they're up and running. You know, it's helped us from a resiliency perspective. You know, the the fact that you can have geo diversity as far as where you store your uh, your, your your data or have your applications residing. You can have you know, active-active configurations in place or redundancy in the data stores that you have. And you can, you can geo-separate those. So if there's a major catastrophe in one area or one data center uh, in the cloud, you've got a replication or a failover system that you can go to in, in another area. Um, and, I, and I think the, probably the... I would well maybe the biggest uh, benefit is just the um, the the agility that it brings to the business. You know yep. the fact that we can go in there and we can we, we can have an idea today or we can want to improve an application today and really have that pushed out through a, a DevOps pipeline and have that up and in, in, in production. You know through our agile process in in hours rather right. than months and years. Right. You know right yeah it's it's having such an unbelievably profound impact on moving the business at an unbelievable speed, but it it begs the question, you know, what about continuity and having a business continuity plan? That's got to be pretty important part of your business strategy and how does the cloud play into that so so when you talk about business continuity i mean it's hard to talk about that without talking about disaster recovery and a lot of times those two terms or concepts are are used interchangeably but they're actually quite different uh, and so let me just define them first i think it'd probably be a good place to start so so business it's the first thing uh, honestly sean when you were starting to talk about it you know and you mentioned multi-geo and dr and that was the first thing i thought of is yeah it's it's like the ideal environment for disaster recovery but i'm curious now because i was kind of seeing them as synonymous so sorry to interrupt but i I really now i'm kind of pitched to listen yeah so so essentially disaster recovery uh it focuses on the technology on this technology that supports business processes at the end of the day i'll repeat it over and over again throughout this conversation that technology is there to support enhance enable and empower the business and so disaster recovery is about restoring the functionality of um, of the technology that supports business processes. And so when you look at your DR plan, you need to understand your most critical applications, systems, infrastructures, and so on, and and build a recovery 
capability based on what, what are called RPOs and RTOs or, uh, you know, recovery uh, point objectives and recovery time objectives. It just basically means how quickly you can recover and how much data you can tolerate losing. Um, and, and, you know, disaster recovery is just a component of business continuity, which is a broader, more sort of an umbrella over, uh, you know, uh, your, from your, uh, as part of your resiliency plan. It's about keeping the business running in the event of an unexpected loss of things like people, facilities, a breakdown in business processes. Like for example, right. if your supply chain dried up for whatever reason, say we couldn't get certain things from China, where do, what do you do and how do you recover from that? And of course, there's always an underlying technology that supports that. So disaster recovery naturally is a part of business continuity. Yeah. Now, now back to your whole, your original question about the cloud. The cloud plays a huge role in that, uh, or it can for most businesses. I mean, the fact that you can spin something up so quickly anywhere in the world, uh, if you're using the right cloud provider, uh, is huge. Um, the fact that we can take snapshots and have real-time replication of our applications and have active-active configurations that automatically fail over, uh, you know, really allows us a tremendous amount of elasticity and, and responsiveness and uh, nimbleness as an organization to be able to be incredibly resilient if it's configured properly. Yeah, clearly some of the many benefits companies realize when they do migrate to the cloud, but it also introduces new challenges, right? I mean, the fact that it is so agile, the fact that it is ephemeral, and so Elastic has great benefits, but what are some of the concerns businesses should think about when they're migrating to cloud to take advantage of these great benefits? Are there some other things they should be concerned about? Yeah, just like anything, something that's not wielded or handled or managed uh, properly can be can be a dangerous thing, and, and the cloud's no exception. Uh, when you're moving to the cloud, you got to think that you're, every time that you spin a system up or or expand its its resources or capability, you're paying for that. And what ends up happening is is if you don't manage the cost properly, you can end up uh, with a with a sprawl situation, meaning that you've got cloud sprawls so with yeah. you know dev, DevOps and your QA teams and and even prod. Can, can, can start just spinning up machines without uh, oversight or authorization. And before you know it, you're, you're, you're paying much more than you would in, in, in a carefully managed and maintained data center on-prem. It's exacerbated um, too far. I mean, I often bring this up, Sean, about when we all were running at 8 to 12% utilization in our DC and we were like going, God, I can't believe this. And then all of a sudden, thank you, Stanford, we got virtualization, right? And everybody was happy because we were able to fill that egg carton up and we're now running at 60 or 70 or whatever percent. But what happened was there were new problems, right? InterVM communications and some of the new challenges created the need for new tools. Isn't that happening again in the cloud? Because now sprawl, you thought it was bad with VMs. I mean, sprawl now in the cloud is just like crazy. I always tell people it's just like it was only worse. Uh, it can be worse, yeah. And so, if you're not managed, so there are there are uh, tools out there and things you can leverage to to help manage that. So when you configure a uh, a virtual machine or a cloud instance of a, of a particular machine, uh, the, the default settings are not 
going to be, you know, aligned, usually not going to be aligned with your security standards or even your configuration standards for your organization. So you have to have, um, you know, policies and standards uh, erected and processes erected on how to go in there and make sure that you change uh, the settings to, to lock systems down, to secure them, to uh, to, to manage them more effectively. And, and, and risk is a, is a huge part of that. I mean, when you just turn on a, a machine in, uh, in any cloud environment, you could be opening up yourself to significant risk exposure as a result of just default configurations that open you up to the internet that don't have, uh, you know, firewall settings uh, enabled properly, that don't uh, protect your backend storage and, and those kinds of things. So there's, there's tools like, uh, there's, there's oftentimes built-in tools into, into various cloud environments, but there's the, some third-party off-the-shelf tools that are really effective at monitoring, setting these policies, monitoring them, and helping you identify those things like Dome 9 from Checkpoint, for example, where it, it'll allow you to, to go through a very uh, focused and, and, and minute level and set policies for various compliance standards that you might have to meet or frameworks like ISO 27001 or just best practices right. to make sure that when you turn on a machine, you're alerted to the fact that it got turned on and, uh, and any obvious uh, security flaws or issues in the configuration state. Right. And and I think also where the real value comes in for posture management is I've got a little Azure, I've got a little AWS, got some Kubernetes, you know, harmonizing and unifying all of that can really be a challenge. If you're just a pogo stick, single vendor, one cloud, they oftentimes will have pretty efficient tools. So I'm curious, you know, you've mentioned their risks, their concerns, and I know I'd love to hear from your perspective, the maybe top three, four, five risks you have experienced as companies move and migrate into the cloud. But before you answer, I need to pay the bill. So hang on just a second. We'll be right back. How well are you protected in the cloud? How fast do you move when the cloud moves at the speed of DevOps? And do you have the confidence you see everything you need to see, good or bad? Checkpoint Software. Cloud with confidence. See it. Control it. Secure it. All right. So, Sean... From your perspective, what are the top three, four, five risks that companies really need to be thinking about before they leap into the cloud? So I'm going to list a few things that may not be risks in the traditional sense. But if you move into the cloud, and let me go back first to your previous statement about the fact that a lot of organizations are existing in multi-cloud environments, meaning that they're existing in some of the, you know, not just one cloud provider, but they're using multiple ones for resiliency purposes, for technology, for cost, for whatever reason. There's just various business drivers that, that have helped them make that choice. But And they all have their own, most of them have their own built-in in security and configuration management tools, but the, the Dome 9 that I mentioned earlier is one of those tools that give you an advantage because they work in almost every cloud environment and gives you that one uh, pane of glass, that one interface uh, to, to manage multiple environments, uh, and then they do it quite well. But if you are moving to the cloud, um, you know, you got to think about uh, a few things. First of all, um, a skills deficit. There's a there's a huge skills deficit in the industry in general. It's very hard to find uh, trained skills, certified cloud individuals that are, are available and willing and able to come and work for you. Um, so that requires, uh, you know, that you maybe you invest in your own uh, internal resources and train them up. So the, the cloud, even though the underlying 
operating systems quite often and, and technologies and services are very similar to what you managed on-prem. The, the way that you configure them and the way that you manage them are, are quite different. And uh, and the, the, the plethora of settings and, and ways to architect and configure these things is, is mind-boggling. So making sure you have the right team in place and, and the uh, the training and the skill set uh, on staff um, is, is critically important. You know, I, I say this, the next thing which I've already mentioned several times is security. Just making sure that you understand that there is a risk moving to the cloud, that just, just spinning up a, a machine and, and, and locking it down the way that you would on-prem from an identity and access management, patch management, antivirus, whatever perspective is not good enough anymore. And you need to consider the environment, the context which in, in which that operating system um, or that, that guest lives. And, you know, another one that really kind of people overlook is, is compliance. You know, when you move to the cloud, a lot of individuals will say, will, will say, well, I don't have to worry about compliance anymore because the cloud is taking care of it. And, and, you know, to some degree, that may be true in, in, in certain areas. So you've, you've got different levels of the cloud. Most people talk about, you know, you've got infrastructure as a service, platform as a service, software as a service. And the higher, the more you go up that, that ladder, the less responsibility you'll have from a configuration and maintenance perspective. So certain compliance requirements are taken care of the further up that ladder you go. So, for example, when you're talking about software as a service, you're not going to be patching those those systems and making sure that vulnerabilities are taken care of and those kinds of things because, uh, for, at least for the most part, I mean, you're going to have to make sure that you deal with identity and access management vulnerabilities and so on. But the, the cloud provider will take care of a lot of that. But if you're talking about infrastructure or platform as a service, uh, you know, a lot of the responsibility still lands on your lap or on your plate, and you have to uh, take that into consideration. And, uh, and then above and beyond that, when you're dealing with compliance, you know, compliance management in the cloud is different oftentimes and, and requires uh, additional controls and, uh, and oversight than you would on-prem just because of the nature of the multi-tenant, uh, multi-tenant environment. Right. I have a slide in one of my presentations, Sean, where I talk about compliance on-prem versus the cloud. And what I have is two pictures. On the left-hand side of the screen is is one of those above-ground swimming pools that you have in the backyard. And on the right is a watering hole, you know, being fed by a waterfall up in the woods somewhere. And what I tell everyone is these are both places to swim. But you have vastly different concerns in one versus the other. The one on the left, you're checking pH, chlorine, whether or not there's enough water. You got to get the hose to fill it up if it's been splashed out or evaporated. The one on the right up in the middle of the woods, you might be more concerned about whether there's something in there that could eat you, right? And really don't care about the pH, (laughs) right? And the other, I think, accurate representation is the fact that that waterfall is pumping new fresh water into that watering hole all the time so it's constantly changing trying to really emphasize or highlight the ephemeral aspects of the cloud that you just don't have in on-premise and i guess my whole point of this is in the world of compliance on-prem generally it's much more of a set it and go back and check it now and then but it doesn't really move like it does 
in the cloud. And that just really exacerbates the compliance challenges, doesn't it? Uh, it does. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, on-prem, you still have, you have different concerns, just like you mentioned uh, with your analogy. Uh, I mean, in the on-prem, on you have to worry about patching. You have to worry about identity and access management. And sometimes in the cloud, you don't have to worry about those things, depending on, like I said, if it's software as a service, you don't have to worry about that. Right. Um, but there are continuous uh, continuous evolution uh, of the cloud. It's changing continuously. Features are being added. Capabilities are being added. And so uh, you're right. You're, you're going to have to uh, keep an eye on what ends up changing and how that impacts your instance in the cloud. And then also on top of that, if you want to look be more proactive, how does that empower or enable the business? How can you leverage some of these new features that start coming out? And we're, and we're literally having features released on a, on a monthly basis for most of these cloud providers that they can be, you know, that we can leverage. If you take a look at the evolution of the cloud from say 10 years ago, it was really just VM in a shared environment is, yep. is really all it was. And now we've, we've evolved to the point where we have containers and we have serverless environments. And, and these are all just new cutting edge technologies that really allow us to cut costs and maximize efficiency and resiliency. And so just the, the way that the, the cloud is evolving uh, just brings so much business value if you keep an eye on what, uh, what you can leverage. Yeah, it's really mind boggling. And it is fascinating too. you know, this notion of the perimeter is is still around, but the perimeter is now around every single little teeny thing, right? Every microservice, every function, every resource, as opposed to the old way of it's around the castle. And I had a guy explain it to me and man, it makes so much sense because the shorter and shorter pieces of string in a long piece of uh, string that's all tied together. When I have a problem with one of them, I can just, you know, that blast radius is so much smaller because I can just go in, fix that one little issue and I'm off and running and, and it just doesn't have that same kind of impact. It seems like it's really allowing organizations to just spin on a dime and implement very innovative new technologies. But there's also the risk of moving too quick, I suspect. I want to go to my next question, and that is, should should companies move everything to the cloud based on all of this? Should we just say, hey, let's go all in? That, that Yeah, that question is impossible to, to answer in a, in a very universal, general sense, because every business is different and they're going to have their, their own separate nuances. So when, when you're planning your cloud strategy, um, you need to plan it uh, around how it benefits uh, or empowers the business. And so a lot of companies will have constraints that will never let them move everything to the cloud. They might have legacy systems or, or SCADA environments or remote locations that just can't, can't go to the cloud. And they're going to re be required to have that on-prem compute technology or, or capability. And so uh, you're, you're going to find most organizations, almost, if not all organizations, are going to have a hybrid sort of approach to the cloud where they have uh, some sort of uh, you know express router or, or pipe or something to the to the cloud, some sort of circuits to the cloud. It, it becomes an extension of their on-prem data center, and they move to the cloud. What makes sense to move to the cloud? The things that uh, allow them to add resiliency, reduce cost, or improve efficiency. And you keep on-prem the things that maybe are more maybe maybe precious to the business. Maybe things that have to be monitored more closely. Maybe things that just don't make sense to move to the cloud. Um, so it's it's a strategy. It really, it's just not an all or nothing. It's not one size fits all. Uh, approach. It has to be uniquely designed for the for each business. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I guess to a certain degree that the cloud now more than ever enables that unique customization for each person, for each company, right? I mean, the capabilities are there to really have it be 
custom designed and 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 for me when i was asking what are the top concerns and you started off with talent and one of the questions i did want to uh, pull on a little bit was how do you get the talent do you go hire the talent do you contract the talent do you grow the talent do you try to go and hire the talent from other resources what do you do because it seems like that can be a real hindrance on your ability to move into the cloud if you don't have the talent yeah it's uh it's a very tough uh Situation that we find ourselves in as an organ, as as, a, as a, an industry, uh, because the, the talent is sparse and the need and the desire is, is high, and uh, so I say all of the above. Whatever whatever you can do to to get that expertise, develop that strategy, and and, and have the resources that you need to, to manage your cloud presence is, is what I would recommend doing. And it's usually a combination of all of the above. You're going to want to train internal folks from an operational perspective. I mean, you 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 likely don't want to be hiring a third party or outsourcing in some way all of your operational day-to-day operations for the cloud so you want to make sure from a, uh, just a basic operations perspective you have some in-house uh, folks and you can either train or you can you can bring uh, folks from outside like i said they're, they're hard to find and, and basic uh, you know economics will tell you that when supply uh, is low and demand is high uh, they're expensive resources it's yep. as simple simple as that so secondly i mean you're going to want to have some expertise if this is the first time you're stepping into the cloud or you're just developing your cloud strategy you don't want to train somebody in-house and then have them develop that for you just because they lack the experience. They've, they haven't learned the lessons, the tough lessons that, uh, that a consultant or third party or a vendor that, that's been down this road and done this thousands of times has, you know, has to bring. Right. So you probably want to outsource that, get somebody that uh, that can look at your business, look at uh, the options that you have in the cloud and, and create a strategy that, that maximizes the benefit to uh, to your organization. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a combination. It's, it always is, um, you know, especially when, when resources are yeah, no silver bullet. And as you so accurately put in a time when, you know, the, the pace of the technology is so fast, it has such compelling value proposition to the business. There's continuous new things all the time. All of those create a real challenge for us to have the people to know how to take advantage of these cool new things. Right. And, and we're all still, you know, you still have to keep those 711 stores running and operating and keep up with all this new technology that's coming out daily. It's really a daunting challenge. I can, uh, I can only imagine how companies are able to do it. So, Sean, this has been really enlightening, very, very informative, and I'd really love to have you back again sometime in the future. Is there anything you want to leave the audience with? Any final closing comments you'd like to share? Um, yeah, I'll just reiterate. Uh, and let me just say, yeah, thanks, Grant. Thanks for having me. This has uh, been a great experience. I, I really enjoyed it. Anytime you want to have me on, just let me know. Um, my, my closing thought is this, is that whether it's technology, whether it's security, it has to align with the business. It has to meet and solve business problems. Uh, security is no exception and that, you know, obviously my, my primary role is that of CISO and so, you know, even the, the controls and the frameworks and the policies that we create as a, you know, from a security perspective they have to uh, align with the business priorities, with the business's strategy and same thing with the cloud. Uh, if you're moving to the cloud, it's not a novel toy. It's not something that you just, that, that you, you play around with and, uh, and and you do without thought. You, you have to look at it from a business perspective 
perspective, what does it do to give you a, a competitive advantage to differentiate you in the market to to build efficiencies and, and capabilities for the company and for the uh, for the the customer uh, and for your business partners for that matter? So how does it how does it affect and empower the business? And that at the end of the day, all technology is there to help and empower the business, including the cloud. Yep, absolutely right. Great, uh, great insight. Great words of wisdom, Sean. Thank you very, very much. I really appreciate your time today. I'll definitely have you back. Appreciate it, Grant. Pleasure to be here. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very, very much for joining me today for another episode of Talking Cloud. This was a good one. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I hope to have you back again and again and again. So thanks for listening. Yeah.